please turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 127. When I heard that Pastor Ellis would not be able to preach this Sunday, I praise God that I'm, I'm well enough to be able to pull an older sermon out of the barrel, and, and this is one that had been on my mind and I, I believe would be appropriate for today. So let us go ahead and read Psalm 127. Five verses we'll be focusing on the first two. Let's read the whole psalm and pay careful attention to the, Lord, the word of the Lord. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who will build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He will not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. This is God's word. May the Lord bless the reading and the preaching of his word. A few years ago, I would say it's 2019, 2018, I was sitting in Pastor Dick's office. And, and we, meet, met every, we meet every Tuesday and for an hour or so for prayer and discussion about the week and how things are going. And I just sat back and reflected. I said, Dick, this is a, a sweet time of ministry. I mean, it's never perfect, but there's, there's, there's no raging fires. There's, there's no big disputes. This is just a wonderful time of peace and calm in the church. And I said, you know, we should enjoy this. We should enjoy this because I know uh, it, it will not continue. Um, now, I, I said this, you know, pre-COVID, and then my deployment, and then this past year, we, we've had my, my cancer and finding a new senior pastor and all the illnesses and injuries that, that Dick has had, finding a, a house for our new a pastor. Harry, you chose a great time to become an elder brother. I'm so glad to have you aboard. Listening to that at Faith Church, do you ever get stressed out? It's a lot of stress. Now, believe it or not, for me, the most stressful time in my life has not been this past year. It's the hardest, but not the most stressful. Now, for me, that was 10 years ago when I experienced my first perfect stress storm. It was at the end of seminary. I had my licensure exams which is kind of like medical boards, you know, that type of, you're certifying that you're, 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 you're sound. I was finishing my seminary papers, books, finals, getting ready to move down here. I had some church commitments and I couldn't see the end. In fact, I could start to feel the, the frustration and even the panic, you know, when you, you, you try to finish tasks, but it seems like more take their place and you have this feeling like you are just drowning. Um, I, I was stressed out. And this psalm speaks to a position of stress where we put ourselves, not, not a good stress, which pushes us, but that bad stress, that unhealthy stress that leads to sickness, decreased productivity, unhappiness. It's a human condition where we are stressed out. There's actually a song that I, that I um, came across a while ago. It's a wistful song by 21 Pilots, and it, it's a, a more contemporary band. Um, it talks about the child 
hood life that's carefree and the disenchanting grind of the adult life. And here's some lines which I took out of context. But it says this. I was told when I get older all my fears would shrink. But now I'm insecure and I care what people think. We used to play pretend, give each other different names. We would build a rocket ship and then we'd fly it far away. Used to dream of outer space, but now they're laughing at our face, saying, wake up, you need to make money. Wish we could turn back time to the good old days when our mama sang us to sleep. But now we're stressed out. We're stressed out. Now, I remember the times that I would go with my best bud, Tim, and we would, we would, I would go for a week and we would play, and well, Tim and I still call from time to time or go for a walk, but now we're the dads. I'm fighting cancer. Life is different. Um, clearly, I'm not the only one that saw and identified with that. That video has 2.5 billion views. That's quite a bit. And yet, for all of its clarity, the song leaves you exactly where you started, still stressed out. And maybe all the worse, because now it's identified even more clearly for you. So how do you survive stress as a church, as an individual? You know, I wish 10 years ago during my little stress storm, someone had sat me down and comforted me with this psalm, with a few deaf words, because it shows very briefly how you are stressed out, and then it presents a different way. You know, I wish someone had said to me, Andrew, I know this is difficult and hard for you, it's it's scary, it's challenging, it's pushing you beyond what you think you can do. And I bet even now, though, you're looking calm on the inside, you're freaking out underneath. Here's how you survive. Trust Jesus, work hard, and go to sleep. Trust Jesus, work hard, and go to sleep. The psalm tells us the problem, the answer, and so let's get into it. What First of all, is the problem. What causes that bad kind of stress? And it says the number one problem is that you must be in control of your life. Right? Isn't this the common human temptation that I want everything to be just my way, to control my world, my life? It's the sinful default view that says the world revolves around me. This is my story. It's my life. It's my destiny. And everyone is encouraged to think this way. But but if your life really is the main story and you're the main actor and the story swirls around you, then who's in charge for it to happen? It's all on your shoulders. You are the one. Each of you is tempted to think if something is going to happen, then it's up to me. Whether I do it for myself or I make sure someone else does it, it's on me. I'm in control. And ironically, the more you have this feeling of needing to be in control, you feel out of control. You're anxious and near a meltdown. Now, what's it like to melt down? If you're, if you're a parent or if you've had an, an infant, you know that, that wavery cry where just nothing makes sense anymore. They just, they just need mom and dad. Their arms are flailing. They're out of control. It's the opposite of being in control. Now, I'm really glad adults don't have meltdowns every day, but don't we feel like it sometimes? Don't you feel like you are out of control? You are drowning. Your world has shrunk in on yourself, and you feel that rising sense of panic. Well, what's coming from your heart at a time like that? What, what are the things that you are saying? What kind of statements do you make? It's, it's the opposite of being in control. Right? I can't do this. I'm so weary. I'm never going to be able to finish. I won't be able to pay that bill. I can't get them to help me. I'm a failure. What's the focus of those statements? What's well, you? Right here, here's the key. When you're stressed out to the point of hyperventilation, you are acting as if the world depends, as if you make it go around. And verse 1 says, not true. 
Here is the simple truth that God brings success. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Now, this is a wisdom psalm. Wisdom tells you how the world should work, how it should go round in an ideal way. And it gives you a God-sized view about how the world works. Who's running the world? Oh, that's right. God is. God's the one who created the world, who by his power continues to hold it together, who doesn't need anything from us. And if that's who God really is, then he must work first. And and so it says, unless the Lord builds, um, and then the builders build in vain. It's actually a slightly different verb. It's the same, similar sound, but different word, almost separating between God's work and our work. Right? If the Lord does not watch over the city, the, those who guard it, or the watchers, they, they watch in vain. And so those two actions, building and watching, they're very deliberate. It's talking about all of life, from the home where the family starts, to the city where the community lives and is protected. God must work first in all of life. Now, sometimes we spiritualize this, and, 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 and it's true, but we, we narrow it by saying, well, we know that God must work to save someone, to bring salvation. And that's, that's very true, but this psalm is talking about all of life. If God doesn't show up, your work is in vain. It's empty. It's meaningless. It's pointless. Without the Lord, any action in any arena of life, private or public, is ultimately useless. So let's play devil's advocate here, but... Can't I control my life with hard work? And haven't you heard that phrase from successful people that, you know, success in life is about 20% ability and 80% effort? Heard that? Something along those lines? I mean, what about, you know, people who don't believe in God, who, who deny God and live a very successful, seemingly very happy, productive lives through hard work? Think about Ben Franklin, kind of the quintessential American, pull yourself up from your bootstraps. He was a deist, uh, but, but didn't believe in God. Well, you can say, yes, but. The psalm presents you with two ways of life. Here's the answer. You can either run on the hamster wheel of life in an attempt to control it, or you can work hard by faith and then give it to God. So look at the the first option. Can't I control my life? Well, it depends. I mean, first of all, we realize that more than we think is out of our control, whether it's a car accident or sickness. Often what we think we have, we don't or won't for long. But even just say, yes, you live a long, healthy life. Success is possible, but it will never give you the control that you desire. In fact, if you are living to control your life, the more you succeed, the harder you will have to work to stay there. Right? The harder you work, the more you will stress and freak out. And what do you get from that? Well, it says in verse 2, in vain, it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, right? There's three verbs used to, per, to depict life in the fast lane. And these are participles, the ing words that used to show ongoing motion, continuing action. It's more picturesque than a simple verb. It's not just that the hamster ran on the wheel. It's that the hamster is constantly running on the wheel, running itself ragged. And they're ongoing motions. And it says, what do you get if you were working to be in control? Pointless, unending labor that leaves you frazzled and exhausted. You get more of what you do. Eating the bread of anxious toil. What does it mean? It's just one, one word. It means 
hard work that's pointless. You work yourself so hard to get ahead of life. You push yourself beyond your limits. You're burning the candle at both ends. And the only thing you get to feast on in the end, more work. A frenetic life of early mornings and late nights, feasting on pointless toil. And and you've ever been there where you feel like it's got to be you? I was convicted of that when I was... um, diagnosed with cancer, but I, I've, seen, I've seen a pattern in my life. And I remember going back to when I was a, a young candidate to become a chaplain and I had an eye condition and I didn't know if I was going to be able to get in. The recruiter said they, they might not let you in. I thought this is what the Lord has called me to do. I have to do this. I'd gone through all the hard and tedious work of the application, but then I started to worry. A lot, a lot is on the line. My identity as a chaplain Certainly be easier for the church to call me if I was a chaplain. And so I'm thinking, what can I do? What must I do to maximize my possibilities? And I was, I was talking, agonizing with this over my brigade chaplain. I'm a brigade chaplain now, so I get the chance to do this with my, my younger chaplains. But he said, look, I wasn't a chaplain yet, so he just called me lieutenant. Lieutenant, if God wants you to be in the army, he wants you to be a chaplain, you'll be a chaplain. That's still the case true for me today. Whether I heal or not, God wants me to stay in the army. I'll stay in the army. I think my chaplain could sense I had moved from the godly work and resting to staying up in the ancient toil and anxious toil and doing whatever I could to make this work. Well, by God's grace, I, I was a chaplain, but it wasn't for anything that I did. The only thing I got out of my worry was sleepless nights. Well, when it's all up to you, and, and you'll always be worried about the next result. And even if you're successful through all of your life, you're worried and you, you, you can't take it with you. There is a beautiful alternative, though. Look at the last part of verse 2. For he gives to his beloved sleep. You trust God for who he is. You serve him well. And you go to sleep at night at peace. And, and the psalm makes this point very cleverly with its poetry. Those who work to control their lives will find their labor stretching on and on and never stops consuming their efforts, even demanding more of their lives. But one simple phrase promises sleep. And after all, God will do a better job than you with the whole running the world thing. And the verse focuses on this last part, sleep. But it does assume that you will get up and work with the purpose. That's implied. After all, you are supposed to be building the city after the Lord does, and you're supposed to guard it. But the freedom is is that if you trust God to be God, you can lay your head down at night and enjoy a full night's sleep, knowing that the world will run just fine without you for the next eight hours. It's it's a truly liberating thing. God provides for you while you you were literally helpless, not able to defend yourself, not able to do anything, and he gives you what you need to start the next day. It's a beautiful thought, isn't it? Sweet sleep. You think about the two, anxious toil or sleep, sweet sleep. Where would you rather go? So the application, trust Jesus, work hard, go to sleep. We'll, we'll spend most of it on the trust. What might it look like for you to trust the Lord in your life? You know, what does your work-life balance look like? You know, are you pushing yourself to the point where you have to succeed to get that next raise, that you live for that project because you know that's, that's what you're banking on? I, I remember as I was getting deployed, um, I didn't want to put too much stock in my, my career, but 
I, I did want a good evaluation. And I remember there were times I was tempted to either put more effort in or to present myself a, a different way in order to try to achieve a, a, an outcome. I was convicted, Lord, I'm not, I'm not trusting you just to do a, a, a good day's work before the Lord, faithful, and then let you bring out the outcomes. What would it look like to trust the Lord if you're a homemaker? If, you, if you, your house has to be perfect before you can have someone over. Right? You, you stay up the night before, you work in the kitchen for hours, maybe even ignore your family so that your home will be perfect for people who, who are outside your family. Could be that your, your parenting um, becomes your idol. Often ends up driving kids away instead of bringing them close. Or maybe for you, you just can't say no. You're, you're afraid of what others will think. You're secretly convinced that you are the only one who's qualified for the job. And so you must do it. Now these all areas, of course, are good things. But when a certain desire becomes so important that you must have it, then in your hearts of hearts, you're demanding control in your life. And eventually it becomes saying, God, I don't trust you. I have to step in and do this. But here's the claim of scripture which builds in this psalm. The only time in your life you will have any control is when you give up control and put it in Christ. Now, Jesus, of course, is not mentioned directly in this psalm, but you can connect the dots to the New Testament where Jesus makes the shocking claim in John 15:1, I am the vine and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you are cut off from me, you will die. You will shrivel up. You're living in vain. And this is the incredible claim that our Lord makes. It makes him equal with the one who created the world. And Jesus does control everything. And so the question becomes, will you trust him? The trust issue gets to what we call eventually the heart of the gospel, the good news that starts with the bad news, but then gets to the great news. And the bad news is that each one of us in our lives without Jesus are out of control. That's, that's what it says. That, you know, with, without God's restraining grace, we want to be our own kings. We want to rebel. Each one of us says we want to be God. We replace God with the, ourselves as the center of the world. And that means that not only do we get the anxious toil that the psalm talks about, but we stand in righteous condemnation of God's judgment. That's the bad news, the gospel that says when we're a control freak, that's an, that's, that's an example of sin and idolatry in the world. But the good news of the gospel is that God was not content to let us rest in our own idolatry, our self-destruction, running on that hamster wheel of life. God, the Son, came down and became a man in the person of Jesus. And he lived a life that had no control. You think about it. Jesus was poor. He had no resources. He was not influential. He lacked the basic comforts of life that we want. We strive for control. He was unpopular with, with the crowd and the leaders. He, he died a painful death on the cross. The excruciating death of a criminal. This is not the life of someone who is in control or, or in charge. And then he experienced the righteous wrath of the Father for sinners. And so God calls us to think about that. Jesus, who made the world, came down and submitted his life to the Father's will, took up a script that no one would write, and he did what we couldn't do in any frantic one-nighter to make ourselves right with God as the truly righteous one. He submitted and gave himself up for rebellious creatures. 
The question before you today is, will you submit your life to this king who gave up his life for you? Can you think, when you think that my life is out of control, I can't stop worrying about my kids, it consumes me. It could be a deeper problem. that You haven't given your life to Jesus, that you haven't trusted him for the forgiveness of your sins or submitted to your will, his will. Many of us as disciples of Christ, we say, yes, we have trusted, but we, I still have areas that vie for control. I, I still have times where I'm up at night. Remind yourself, I've already given my life away to my Lord. It is silly for me to try to take control in this one area of life if, I've, if I have laid it all down at his feet. When I worry and I try to control my life, I, I really am out of step with my union to Christ, my living connection to Christ. The only place worry has in the Christian life is at the feet of Jesus. Lord, I trust you. Is this perfect? Do we do this perfectly? No. In my last year, as I think about is the cancer coming back, and am I going to live? Have I done this perfectly? No. But it is a place where we can go and take even our deepest worries. Am I going to be here next year? And that's a thought that comes relatively often into my mind. And I think it would be unnatural to not say, oh, yeah, it doesn't really matter. No, it really does grip me. But to say, Lord, you died for me. I trust you. I put this at your feet. Harry, Elder Hill, you willingly chose to make your life, I won't say harder, richer, more complex. Um, And Doris, remember, you encouraged him. (laughs) Brother, you will be faced with circumstances on beyond your control. And there will be times when you are tempted to kind of step in and make it all better, you know? Trust the Lord who's rescued you and move out of that strength. And when you have a conversation and it doesn't seem to move the needle, or when you're coming together and there's two people and they don't see eye to eye, and afterwards it doesn't seem to go anywhere, remember it's the Lord who builds the house. This is the foundation for a Christian life. You grow in maturity by learning to trust in the Lord. So we trust in the Lord, but we work hard. Now, it's, it's not said much in this sermon, but you can't use trust in Jesus as an excuse for laziness. There's clearly a place for hard work. Jesus calls you to use your gifts to be creative, to be innovative. There are times when you be, will be stressed. Kids are sick. You have finals. You have work deadlines. For Elizabeth, for a while, it was tax season. It was just three months of her life where it was going to be busy. In those times, it's not the action, but the attitude that reveals your heart. If this is truly where the Lord's put you, and, and, and this is a reasonable burden to bear, are you a cheerful worker? Can, can you shoulder this for a time, trusting the Lord, work hard, or are you tied up in knots because this is uncomfortable? It's pushing you out of your comfort zone. You can't control it all. So we're supposed to work hard, trusting in Jesus. And then finally, go to sleep. Sleep is the ultimate vote of your confidence in God. Where you admit your limitations, and then you shut down for the night, and you stop working. There are very few jobs where you need to stay up at night, and even then, you will get to rest. 
Most of the time, when you stay up beyond your limitations, you would be better just to trust God, get some sleep. Even with those looming deadlines, you notice how when you go to sleep in faith, you often are more productive the next day. It has a chance to gel. And you're just acknowledging your creatureness, creatureliness. Sleep expresses confidence in who God is and what he will do in your life. So worship God for who he is. Rest with confidence. So are you stressed out right now? Have you experienced stress? You may be. um, You will be. You might even feel like that song. But I want you to leave with some different words from Jesus. He says, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. These are the words that can sing you into a new year that we we pray will have a little bit less drama than this year. We don't know. But that is the promise that Jesus gives to anyone who takes his yoke and submits his life. Trust Jesus. Work hard. Go to sleep. You know, how, how different may have those, those final fatal stress storm of seminary weeks been to me if a close friend had just come and said, Wow, Andrew, it seems like you were going through a challenging time right now. You know, you've You've, you've told me that God says he wants you in seminary and he's calling you to the pastorate. You're where he wants you to be. So do your best and trust him. And if this is not it, then he will direct you and show you where to go. And we grow in faith. I, uh, this past Wednesday, um, I had gotten some news that my kidney functions were not as good as they had been before. I had a positive trend line and they're tracking back. And I don't know what that means, but it, it just makes it very easy to start saying, well, what is this, you know, what's going on in my body? Uh, uh, I'm not feeling as good. Um, going back to those, will I even be around next year? Um, the worry starts to go. And I, I had a sermon to finish and, and I was having trouble focusing. And so I, I went to the library because I, I go to the Franklinville library sometimes and um, I'll just stare out and, and type there in the silence. And of course, I get there and I rest a little bit. And um, I open up my backpack and just telling you the state of mind that I had, I had left it charging back at home and just immediately felt defeated. I just I literally thought, I am a loser. I just should give up now. I should just, just go home and quit. That's what I felt. And this was before the sermon was on my mind. But, I, you know, I, I, I have learned that, Lord, you know, it's, it's not my state of mind that determines reality. You are king. I do not feel as good as I want to. I am worried about my health. But you have given me enough energy to finish the sermon. Could I be faithful with the life that I have? So I went home and I got started. And for those of you who will come tonight, you will hear the finished sermon. Place your worries in God's hand. Claim his promise. Work hard and go to sleep. Please pray with me. Father, it is such a relief when we confess that we are not in control. Yes, you have told us to run hard the race, run with endurance. But we're so grateful that you are the one who leads the way. We thank you for Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who is our champion. And so, as we are connected to him, Lord, would you give us the faith to lay down our worries today, 
but then also to be able to work where you have called us and to praise you by practicing faith as we sleep. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.